<clears throat> oh, there it is. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> What's on your mind? What's been on your mind? If we would ask most people that question right now, here closing in on two years of pandemic existence and life in this world, how many would answer that question positively? Like, what's on your mind? Oh, I'm so excited because this, that, and the other thing. Or I'm feeling really great today, and, and I think... I think we can, and we still do hear that, but most often it's, well, I'm getting by, I'm trying, it's tough, wow, this is a struggle. And we hear that over and over, and we, it, it sort of kind of soaks into our skin and in, into our mind and even into our heart that life now is bad. Life now is, is, is difficult on a good day. It's an article I found on um, Yahoo News. It was written by uh, someone named Alistair Smoot. It says this, in a couple of quotes from it. The COVID-19 pandemic has led to a surge in anxiety and major depressive disorders across the world, particularly among women and young people. A study published in the Lancet found on Friday, people suffered as, excuse me, young people suffered as school closures kept them away from friends and many women found themselves bearing the brunt of household work and facing an increased risk of domestic violence, the researchers said. The study led by academics at the University of Queensland in Australia recorded 76 million additional cases of anxiety disorders and 53 million major depressive disorders as COVID-19 spread in 2020. The research included 48 previously conducted studies from around the world and pulled together their findings in a meta-analysis to quantify the prevalence of mental health disorders in 204 countries and territories in 2020. That made it the first global insight into the burden of depressive and anxiety disorders during the pandemic it found there was an estimated 28% increase in cases of major depressive disorder to 246 million cases worldwide, up from an estimate of 193 million cases before the, had, had the pandemic not happened. There was a similar 26% increase in estimated cases of anxiety with an estimated 374 million cases compared to 298 million without the pandemic, end quote. As believers in Jesus Christ, how are we managing our mind? How are we 
dealing with what is assaulting our thoughts, what is invading our hearts, our relationships, including our relationship with God. There's so much to be troubled by and about apart from pandemic life, and this has added a huge weight on top of whatever weight we were already carrying or would still be carrying anyway. Mind. What are you doing to help your own mind through these days? That's what God wanted me to speak to you about today. And before we get to the main passage, I just want to share some some scriptures that some may be familiar, some not. But I want you to, to listen and embrace it if you'd never heard it about these scriptures that speak about our minds. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Matthew 22.37 Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Romans 8 5 through 7. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Romans 12:2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Today's passage in Philippians chapter 4 speaks about peace of mind, how to attain a peace of mind, and and the connection between the mind and being at peace is is really vital. It's inseparable. If we really want to have peace, we have to have our mind set properly according to what um, Paul wrote there in the Colossians passage and other places too. So if you're having trouble, and I think most of us, at least some of the time in these last two years, are having trouble keeping our mind at peace, think of all the things that we've endured. There's so much that you can almost go numb to it after a while. It just becomes almost routine. I've done three funerals in two weeks at the other church. And... um, I think maybe one of them may have been COVID-related, but I'm, I'm not really sure. But nonetheless, it's death. It, whether it was caused by COVID or not, it's more grief, more difficulty for, for family and friends of, of the loved one who was gone during a time when it's hard. How much added stress do we have when a friend or family member gets a positive test about COVID or yourself? How much more stress goes when that person is hospitalized 
And some of you have had family members who have indeed have their life taken from this virus. How much more stress is added when we dare to turn on the news because we want to at least know what's happening in the world and what's happening in our community. And yet inevitably there's going to be controversy, there's going to be uh, political strife and, and, and disagreement and, and not just a, a gentle disagreement, a, a harsh one, sometimes even, even violent. How much of that is, is weighing on us, whether we are aware of it or not, it's there. And, and these weights continue to, to, to pile up. So all of us need to find ways that we can step into a more peaceful life, a more peace-filled life, a peace of heart, a peace of mind. And this is what this passage that Paul writes here in Philippians 4 is speaking of. And I'm going to pick it apart this way, five steps to a mind at peace. Five steps to a mind at peace. And the first of those steps is to rejoice in the Lord. Always. When I spoke last week, I mentioned, or used, excuse me, the text from James chapter 1 when it talks about, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Rejoice always. Rejoy. Go back to joy. And what is joy? True joy. And what is the true source of joy? It is the Lord. And so, as we, and the reason Paul says, I say it again, rejoice, is because we are forgetful people. We need repetition. We need to have it told us again and again and again. And we have to make the choice to rejoice every day. You hear that? You have to make that choice daily. And not just every day, just like I was telling the children, that, that, that sense of awareness that God is with you and beside you and, and with you no matter where you are, what circumstance you find yourself in, rejoicing of the Lord is always in the Lord, is always at your disposal, always right there. And we have to keep on reapplying it and reapplying it. And what that does to us in time, and sometimes you're not going to feel like rejoicing in the Lord, and that's probably the moment you need it the most. So as we develop this habit or, or reestablish this habit, perhaps, or whatever, wherever you might be with this, and if you're already on a pretty good track, then, then make sure you keep it going. To have this attitude of rejoicing, no matter what comes your way, to trust God in this moment, such as you are, such as the moment is, you don't want it, you don't like it always, but here I am. And the more we do that, it leads then to the second step, and that is to be gentle. You can't be gentle if you're always angry. You can't be gentle if you're always frustrated. You can't be gentle if you're always distracted by the, the, the list of concerns. And they're very legitimate things. And God wants you to, 
Take those to him in prayer. But if you're not taking those to him in prayer, if you're not rejoicing, you become self-focused, drawing inward, perhaps pulling back, or you act out and lash out toward others. None of that sounds very gentle, does it? So we can't just say, let your gentleness be evident to all. You can't get to that place without taking the first step of rejoicing. But then as you rejoice, as that kind of becomes your, your, your foundation of, of your daily attitude to rejoice in the Lord always, it enables you then to bring gentleness into what is a very loud very violent, very impulsive, very angry, very aggressive, very uncaring, and very hostile world. And your gentleness brought into that hostility shines so brightly, speaks loudly, but not with a sense of overpowering. It's more of a of a good shout to wake people up. And it's, it's gentleness that we can bring to people when they don't expect it. When, everyone, when it's exactly the opposite of what they're used to. When, when you say the kind word, even though they've said the harsh and hurtful word. When you give the kind action, even though they are thankless for it. Gentleness always matters. It matters in our actions. It matters in our words. As it says in Proverbs 15, 1, the gent- a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So let your gentleness be evident to all. It won't always be welcomed. In fact, sometimes to, to consistently... Be a gentle person to have a gentle demeanor and gentle words and actions. That is not something that is is wimpy or soft. Quite the contrary. Being gentle in that way in, in hostile environments takes a lot of strength. Because it takes the the strength and the will to restrain. If you work out at all, you know that uh, one of the ways you can work out is, is resistance training physically for your muscles. That helps, that helps build the muscles. And it's, it's the same way um, relationally when, when it, with people. Sometimes we have to hold the tongue back. Sometimes we have to act, not act out the way our impulse might want us to and the way everyone else is and the way that the voice in your, in your head is telling you that you have a right to. That requires restraint and to express the words gently and to give those gentle actions, especially when they're not appreciated, takes restraint. So that gives us strength. Now, as you are that gentle person, and it is evident to people, especially, again, in the, in the hostility that we all face right now, that can wear you out because you're restraining yourself, because, you know, and God certainly blesses you in that moment. So 
What else do you have to do in response to that? It goes to the third step. Fight anxiety with prayer. Whatever kind of anxiety, there's, there's endless, countless reasons for anxiety, but sometimes doing the right thing can also feed into anxiety unless we manage it. And this is where prayer comes in. You cannot serve God effectively in this life if prayer isn't part of your life. Absolutely, positively, you cannot. That would be like saying, I really love my wife and she's the most special, important person in the world, but I never talk to her. I just come home and expect her to have food on the table and clean the house, and I just do my thing. I I don't pay any attention to her whatsoever except when my needs aren't taken care of, and then I, you know, see, we're not going to live that way. Obviously, if that's the state of any marriage, it's not going to last. So don't treat God that way. Don't treat God like, well, I'll get around to you when things get bad, Lord. Yeah, it's okay now. I'll manage. And then it piles up, piles up, piles up. And you finally do pray, which you should. And you probably have this big load to unload, which you also should. But why let it build up there? Fight anxiety with prayer. It, it, it says that the Lord is near when you're gentle, okay? That's the that's fifth verse of Philippians 4. And the next line, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And there's a lot in that, that line there. Um, first of all, when it says, do not be anxious about anything, don't hear that as a command. Because if you hear that as a command, that can actually feed your anxiety. Because then, oh, it's another command from God. Oh, it's another thing I don't do very well. Oh, it's another thing I'm failing at. Oh, Lord, I'm really sorry. I'm anxious, and God, I'm not supposed to be anxious because it says, you know, do not be anxious. Oh, sorry, Lord, I failed you. That's not the essence of this passage. It is not a command. It is an invitation. It, it, is, it is that gentle Wake-up call. Hey, Paul, you're carrying too much here. Slow down. Let's talk. Let's pray. And every situation, anything that builds up our anxiety is too much. And we all have it. We all deal with it. Some people far more than others. Some people clinically where they need to to have some wise counsel, perhaps even medication. So, so there is certainly a portion of people growing, as the study suggests, that have it at a very severe level. So let's not let it get there. But no matter what level of anxiety you deal with in your life, the answer is the same. Now, I don't mean to just throw this at you like, see, it says here in Philippians 4, if you're anxious, just pray, problem solved, I'll see you next week. We know it's not that simple, but it is the starting point. It is that, the way to say, have I really prayed this through? Now, now here's what, let me come back to what I said about how doing the right thing can build anxiety. If your, your definition of God, your, your, 
the, the way in which you, you see God, view God, is that God is a boss that I have to report to. Then your prayer life can also be a stressful experience. Because you're going to feel like, I don't measure up, Lord. Look at all of the ways that I've failed. The fact that I'm anxious, Lord, means I'm wrong, which makes me even more anxious. And it just spins you into this downward spiral. Because when you suffer from anxiety, quite often the, uh, the, the core of that is the feeling simply that I'm not enough. And... People reject me. People don't like me. They don't treat me well. I can't get along. I can't maintain friendships and relationships. And so then you go to God with the same attitude. And then, well, I'm getting the same from God now. Now, you're probably not going to have that thought consciously, but it could be built into the DNA of the way you're praying, of the way you see God, that God is a a boss or a taskmaster that must be appeased. So that's the way I come to prayer. How about thinking God in a whole different way? How about thinking of God as a friend? A friend that you can turn to and relax with, sit down and have a cup of coffee. Right now I'll have tea with you, sorry. Okay. But whatever it might be, just, just to, to get together. How many conversations can you look back on very recently or maybe many years ago with a dear friend that you, you kind of cherish that moment? You, you were wherever it was. You could have been sitting in a restaurant. You could have been sitting outside a campfire in the summertime. You, you know, your, your place with that person that day. And, and both of you felt the, the, the bond of, of, of the fellowship and the friendship and you're so thankful for each other. That's Jesus. But we don't go to him like that. We come to him shaking in our boots sometimes. Like, am I good enough? Guess what? You're already loved before you showed up for the prayer. You're already dear to him before and after you did the dumb thing, before and after the hurt happened to you, Whatever else is, is, is building it up inside you, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. And there again, that's why the repetition of prayer is so important because we have to retrain the mind to think differently about God, about ourselves, about our situation, about what love is, what love isn't. If you go to John chapter 15, This is the Jesus that I'm talking about. It's the Jesus of Scripture, but sometimes we don't look at him this way or not often enough. We sing a song sometimes here in church, you know, uh, I'm a friend of God. Do we believe it? There's a great old hymn in the church called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Do we believe it? Do we treat him like a friend? I don't mean a passing acquaintance. I mean a dear, deep friend. Or at least someone that you started to get to know and you want to know more because you really like being together. Jesus says this in John 15, uh, beginning at 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down 
one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Let me pause there and I'll come back to this passage. This is where it's sometimes dangerous, just like taking the line, do not be anxious, is seen as a command. When it says here, you are my friends if you do what I command, there again, there's the demanding God again. There's the taskmaster I have to appease. There's the boss I have to report to. But if you just go back two verses, what is the command? Love each other. That is the context of the command, to love God and love others. That's all he asks of you, is to enter into a loving relationship with him so then you can learn how to love your friends better, your family better, and yourself better. That's his command. And so as long as you are living in love, God's your friend. Jesus Christ is your friend. Back to John 15 at the 15th verse. I no longer call you servants. Because the servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This is the way to pray through our anxiety. To see God as our friend. And then we invite him to to see our hearts. And in Psalm 139.23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Not so you feel bad about it. Not so, you know, you ask him to forgive you. I mean, there may be some forgiveness that's necessary there, but, but it's, 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 it's more an invitation. Look, I know what you're going through. I see your situation, and I still love you. I love you right here, right now. And we have to tell ourselves that, over and over again. Search me and know my heart, God. I can't hide anything anyway, can you? Can, can you hide something from God? Can, can, can we uh, you know, invite him into the house of our lives and keep this locked door in the basement that you know, God can't come into? I mean, I think some ways we do that, don't we? we or, or maybe it, it's kind of like when if when you're, when you're new to this understanding of God and you're new to, to walking with the Lord, you invite him in and you want him, okay, you, 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 here's the living room, God, it's a little messy, but here, sit down and be comfortable. And I'm going to go to the kitchen and get some, something to eat. And Jesus says, well, I'll come with you. I'll give you a hand. Oh, no, not the kitchen. Don't go in there. Don't see what I feed on. But... In time, we learn, yeah, Lord, you come into the kitchen and see what I feed on. And then he says, you know, I'd like to see the rest of the house. Where's, where, where, where's your bedroom? Oh, no, not in there, Lord. Are you kidding me? Don't go in there. I mean, I, that's the place that I, I'm supposed to rest. And he says, do you? And, we, and, and it's such a great metaphor to, to think about, because we all compartmentalize our lives and Jesus wants to enter into every aspect, every element of our lives. So that's the invitation of Psalm 139, 23. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Why does God test us? 
because the testing is going to reveal the problem, if there is one. I didn't like going through what I did a couple of weeks ago that I shared with you that happened at this very spot two weeks ago where, I, where my, my body, my mind, my emotions was, were all just at a, at a, at a fever pitch and, and I was feeling great anxiety at that moment. And yet that was the testing I needed to see, oh, it's time for some change, Paul. And those changes are continuing, so thank you. Thank you for your prayers, uh, continual prayers. And so our desire is to fight anxiety with prayer. And again, this isn't a pat answer. I, I, I know that anxiety is very debilitating for many people. And so I'll just throw that at you and say, oh, here, here do this, and you're done. But it is always the starting point to the answer, and, or to the answerers, or to the process, maybe is the best way of saying it, of, of finding healing and coming to a place where you indeed have a peace of mind. And the fourth step is to pray about everything. And I, I kind of alluded to that in the sense of the, the rooms in our house that, that we invite God into to to bring it all to the table, to bring all of ourselves to our prayers. Uh, you know, and, and there's not something that, that happens to you that bothers you that God's going to say, what are you bothering me with that for? That's no big deal. What's the matter with you? Now again, if, if people treat you that way, if they are dismissive about your pain, then there can be a tendency to see God the same way. That's why human relationships are important. If, if you've heard me even more than a few times preach, I come back to this point a lot because it is so important that, that God, we learn about God through our human relationships. God the Father as being one. God our friend just today. So we, we need to, to come to Him in prayer and bring everything. And, and allow God to show you that whatever, I'll throw out a big word, emotional disability we have because of broken relationships, God wants to hear about it. He wants to help you to see that he's not that way and also learn in time that, you know what, and not everyone in your world, in this world, is that way either. And there really are some good people out there who are ready and willing to come alongside you and help you and to be, to be Jesus to you, next to you, and you to them. That's the desire. And as we pray about everything, then that helps us to be honest with, with God and ourselves and eventually with one another about the stuff that we have, the stuff we're dealing with. This too doesn't happen overnight. And this too has to have the right, the right context and the right, um, the right moments that are um, provided for you to share in such a way with someone that truly cares that, that there's a mutual trust between you. But this is what it takes. This is what we have to do. And then the fifth step is pray with thanksgiving. As, as you pray more and as prayer becomes embedded more and more in your life, then there's going to be more and more to be thankful for. So don't forget that. My first prayer every day is simply this. 
Thank you, Lord, for life. Thank you, Lord, for life. That is literally my first prayer every day. And, and, I, and I always pause to say it, no matter how tired I am. And I may not say much after that. Sometimes I'll say more in prayer, depending on how I feel and the schedule of the day, whatever else. But at the very least, I always say thank you, God, for life, because it sets a tone within me that helps me to establish a, a willingness to be thankful, and the eyes to see things to be thankful about. But if it's about me and my troubles and my struggles and about what's bothering me, what's hurting me, then I'm going to be less thankful because, well, I got this pain. Well, because I have this situation, because this isn't fair, because that's unjust, because... The whole world doesn't understand me and all of the complaints that the human nature wants to you know, put out right in front of us and to walk through that mess all the time. And if we thankfully pray, then that is a, it's a path to peace. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So the, so the connection is, is with, with the mind and to have peace and to maintain it is to be thankful, to keep it going. And to wrap up today, I'm going to begin something that I'm going to start tomorrow morning. And I'll explain that in a moment. In the back to the Philippians 4, let me read these verses again. In verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then is the promise whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the peace of God will be with you. That's twice in this passage today, verse 7 and verse 9. It promises the peace of God if we walk in these paths, these patterns in our lives, apply them to our lives. So that list of whatevers. I'm going to talk about just the the first two right now. Um, True and noble. Whatever is true, think about that. This world is, is filled with questioning truth and you don't even know what is true anymore and how do you find the truth. And, and I, I think it's, although it has gotten complicated needlessly, I believe when you're not sure about the truth of something, well, look at its fruit. Look at its fruit. Is it Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit kind of results coming from the truth, if it is producing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, praise God, then it's truth happening. But if it's producing more anger and frustration and hostility and resentment, well, that's something that's not true. That's a lie. And so we want to identify 
that which is, is, is true, that which is good, that which is best, and, and let our minds dwell there. Our minds need to um, embrace truth as our foundation. And, and I think that's why Paul put that first on this list of whatevers, is because that is the, the foundation for um, what comes next. Remember in John 1, in John's description of the Christ, he says that, that he came to us full of grace and truth. He could have picked all kinds of other great words about Jesus, but he, t- he said he narrowed it down to he came with grace, full of grace, excuse me, full of grace and truth. And so we always need that balance. We have to identify what truth is, and sometimes there is hard truth, difficult truth, but it's true nonetheless. But the beauty is that Christ led with grace. So when we fail at the truth, then we are depending upon the grace of the Lord to come in and, and heal us and enable us to, to walk with him more effectively. And the second whatever is noble. Noble being of, of great character and quality as a person that, that it's evident to, to others. And can, can you think of anyone in your life that, that is that way? That, that someone that you, you admire for, for, for their character. And, and that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a noble person. So think about that person and ask Christ to help you to emulate that person in as much as Christ is in him or in her. That's why Paul says right here in this very passage to follow his example, to what you see in me, do it. That's pretty bold for Paul to say, but his confidence in the Lord and the spirit within him was such that God has enabled me to, to walk consistently and faithfully in, in such a way that other people can, can copy this. And in doing so, they are following Jesus because it's Christ in me. So remember that. Christ in you can be copied, can be followed. And so is there people in your life that you look to in that way? That's noble. So we think about that which is true. We think about that which is noble. And then, for the rest of the week, I'm inviting you to to join me. I'm going to post a short, and I promise short, three minutes or so, video every morning on one of these words. It now, if you, I don't, I'm I'm going to pick a time. It's probably like seven or seven thirty in the morning. But just like these recordings right now, you don't have to just watch it live. It will be on the Facebook page that you can catch later. And, and maybe Paul can help me to get it to the website too. Okay, so we'll talk afterward. Um, but just so people would have the, the availability to, to go and, and look at that one word for the day. And if you're able to watch it in the morning live with me or a couple of minutes later, great. If you have to catch up later that night, whatever, that's fine. But so what I want us to do as a church is to literally get on the same page. And I, as, as always, I hope that what I shared this morning has blessed you and helped you, but um, I want it to be more than Sunday, okay? So, so let, let's be proactive about that. And I'm learning too, okay? So, so I'm going to give you what, what the Lord's given me to share about these words each day, but I'm also going to invite you to, to you know, if, if you're going to use Facebook, type into the comments, 
you know, what do you think about this? What, what, what comes to your mind when we talk about admirable or about, about pure? And, and, and how does that apply to our lives? And, and how can we focus our mind on that thing that day to, to be more effective in that area of our lives? And we do this together. Isn't that great? Isn't it, to, to do things together. And, and that's what, you know, the, the, the wonder of technology. We, we can have this sort of thing right now. So I'm glad for that. So I hope you'll join me. And I invite you to, to jump in. And uh, Lord willing, I want to do this um, beyond this week too for, for other ways to, to bring us together um, you know, through, through, uh, through the social media or through, through the internet and to um, focus on the same thing at the same time. And I think God's going to do some cool things, don't you? Some great things, some wonderful things. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that it indeed would uh, be applied to lived in each of us and may we do that together and 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 to celebrate the victories and and to to even help hold one another accountable to this that that we would learn and grow together accountability of love to obey the greatest command to love you and to love one another amen